Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. Today's episode of the A-Game Podcast, as always, is brought to you in part by Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. Go on nicknicknick.com slash links and check out under affiliates when you click on get my discounted CBD today. You will see a link to Naked Warrior Recovery CBD owned by Navy SEAL William Brannon hailing out of the beautiful Hawaii, which sounds amazing right now. Uh, he's got some of the quality CBD, uh, some of the best out on the market. When you go on that site, you'll see a whole array of different products, whether it's topicals, gummies, uh, drop swag, there's greens, there's melatonin, there's immune system stuff. That site grows all the time with new stuff, new gear, uh, all new innovations on different types of uh, CBD that they have out there. It's that pure, real CBD. It's not that gas station brand crap. This is all natural. There's new THC. It will not get you high. Try it for 30, 60 days consistently, and you will absolutely see a big difference in the way you feel, the way your sleep is, the way your appetite is, the way your inflammation is probably the biggest thing for me. Uh, nagging aches and pains from lifting weights, doing jujitsu, just beating up your body over the years. You start to get older, those things start to act up. And all of a sudden, 30, 60 days later, you start to see a big difference. Uh, definitely helps been helping me sleep, help me relax, help with my appetite, help with my stress. So uh, to me, it's been a miracle drug. If you put in promo code AGAME at checkout, you will get 20% off of every order that you make at Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. So go and check that out and support the cause, support your body, and support a great model American in William Brandon. Also, pick up our free ebook, What Every Investor Needs to Know and How Corona Has Changed the Real Estate Market. If you go on nicknicknick.com, you will be able to get that book free. It's a nice, easy read, a decent overview on some of the things we found over the last year. Uh, maybe a little less since COVID came. If you go on Amazon, it's a few bucks, but you can get it free if you go through our website, nicknicknick.com. And also, if you're on that site and you're looking to start to get into real estate or scale up your real estate on any level, come check us out. When you go on the nicknicknick.com slash links, you'll be able to find all the different ways to touch base with me. You can message me directly on social media, or you can find multiple ways to contact us on that website and figure out, do you want to buy properties from us? Do you want to sell properties to us? Or would you like to partner on something, whether you're into residential fix and flips, uh, buy and hold, you want some cash flow properties, looking for some development deals, some commercial deals. There's a number of different things we can start to put together. Just start the conversation with your beginner, intermediate, or an advanced real estate investor. There's ways we can do deals together, partner together, make some opportunities, and really make something happen. So do not wait any longer. Start out 2021 with getting some new assets on your books, getting a new return on your money, and not wishing that you did something sooner. I'm about to break into this great episode with Mr. Mike Ely from Nassau Investments. I'll give him an intro as soon as we get started, but you guys are going to love him. He's cool as hell, just a chill guy, um, open book. He's got a great story. Uh, and this is a fun interview, man. He just seems like he'd be a great guy to hang out with and just uh, have a couple of drinks and hear his, uh, some of his war stories, man. So I appreciate that he jumped on. Him and I connected on social media and it was an absolute blast talking to him. I think you guys are going to love this episode. Hope everybody had a great holiday and uh, looking forward to starting out 21, 2021 with a bang. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is the one and only Mike Ely. He is from NASA Investments based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. He focuses on multifamily and hotels, but is assisting and active in basically all aspects of real estate right now. And they are on a mission to acquire $1 billion in asset. And he is also the author of the new amazing book, From Broke to Millions, How I Acquired Over 1,000 Apartments Using uh, Units Starting with Zero Dollars. So I'm very excited to have him on. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. 
His social media is how I found him, and I've been following him ever since, and I've been very impressed uh, doing research, listening to all the things, and I'm really excited to have you on today. I appreciate you doing it. Thank you for being here, Mr. Mike. Hey, thanks for having me, brother, man. This is the show, man, the A-game with Nick. Let's get busy with it, son. That's what I'm talking about. I like it. I like it. So, again, I don't want to steal all the thunder from your backstory, but I do really like talking to people on this podcast, and it's formed into not really just real estate investors. You know, I have buddies That's that are right. UFC fighters, and I really like just the- UFC? I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I had That's, some UFC that's... champions on here. But I, nice. I find like your, your Rocky story is a very consistent story throughout success, regardless of if it's real estate or not. And that's really yeah. what I like to talk to is people that, you know, they take their lumps and then they come back and they kick ass way better than ever. And they learn the lessons from them and they just rise to the top. And you really have that underdog Rocky story. So I know you're probably sick of telling it, but if you could give just a little bit about your background, <laughs> I know you, uh, your catchers, you went from a zero to hero and zero and back and ping pong back and <laughs> forth on that, man. So just tell everybody a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I started off in real estate in 1999 with the old what they call house hacking. You know that, that you know for me, I just got a roommate and was living <laughs> rent free and thought I was living the dream, man. Uh, and then we acquired over 20 something units, a couple of full service car washes, and uh, I, I didn't really have a plan or budget put together, and things literally became falling apart. And uh, after that, uh, I ended up uh, losing everything and moving back home with my mom and dad. And literally they were paying my bills, man. And I, they put me in this room, it was pink and lavender, my old bedroom, man. And man, a lot of stuff happened, man. I mean, before that I got evicted out of my house. I got uh, foreclosed on multiple times. I totaled my car, well at least I didn't total my, my car got totaled. I got arrested. I mean, man, it was just bam, 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 man. And, 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 and literally almost lost my mind, you know, but I lost my hair mainly, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but no, I, I went back at it again, start working at it. And, um, uh, I started doing single families again in, in C neighborhoods and flipping, then got a large multi-units. And then from there, uh, the great recession came and man, it was just an amazing opportunity. We were buying non-performing notes. I got uh, more uh, multi-units for 4,000 a door and we were flipping them every year, netting a million dollars, which threw me up on this stability table, right? And, and from there we went into hotels. And so now I'm here on the A-Game podcast and, and we're about to do it big, man. I love it, man. That's such a great story. You know, uh, I took some lumps when the market turned, but I really like talking to investors that have been investing through that because there's so many guys that came in when things were great and they don't That's really right. know how to adjust when they're that, not. Man, that, there you go. You're going to take some hits, you know, and for me, just from being in business, like, like I'm sure you can attest to, you know, it's building character and really sustaining yourself as somebody who's going to be successful isn't about what you do when things are good. It's about how do you handle it when things are, are, are not good. And That's some right. people haven't had that test yet. And I don't think that they're going to be able to withstand it. But you obviously have come through with flying colors. And it's not an easy thing to do. And I feel like that's everybody's biggest fear. It's what if I mess up? What if I fail? What if I lose everything? And you've done that and come back stronger than ever. So I feel like there's that's something that people can't take away from you. What was one of the biggest lessons you took away from that time? Man, well, one, I, I just want to add to that, man, that the biggest fear is fear, man. And, 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 and I had this favorite shirt with Bruce Lee, fear is for others. But I, I have to remember, because I push back on people like, man, I don't know if I could do it. I don't think you could do it. And I'm like, dude, it's not a big deal. And, and, and people are so fearful, but I went through that. So I'm like, man, ain't nothing to it. Like, it's, it's, it's very inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. You don't have choices, you know, Hey, when it's time to get a beer, you're like, do I want Heineken's or, uh, or a Budweiser, you know, like this, you're going to Budweiser. you're not eating steak, you're eating Roman noodles. Right. <laughs> and so we, we went through that, but I think one of my biggest lessons is definitely setting up the reserves and doing your projections. You know, a lot of people, when they do deals, they don't really budget for uh, maintenance or, 
or, or your gas and electric bill, or just a capital expense. You know, you got to redo the roof or you got to replace some windows or it, what a lot of people are running into is waterproofing because they'll buy some apartments with a basement and, and, and actually they were built in the fifties or sixties with them foundations are going to give and they didn't budget for it. And that can kill you. You know, so you, well, it'll continue to stockpile, you know, well, I wasn't ready for that. And then you get hit for taxes. You know, those are the basic principles that you have to do. Like mom always say, save for a rainy day. And, and those are one of the big things that I did saving for a rainy day. That's awesome. Now, as far as getting through that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of fear and anxiety and, you know, your, your ego takes a little bit of a hit, but what did you do to talk yourself back up and get the confidence to go back out there and conquer that fear? <laughs> man, it, it, it's, it's a true story, man. All I did was pray and meditate and fast. And I read every book I could pick my hand, put my hands on, my eyes on about leadership, about overcoming, about some of the most successful people, even down to plants, to uh, dictators, to, to, to some of the greatest leaders of our country, of the world, and, and understanding power. And from that, uh, even from the Bible, I, I learned two basic principles. This was it. Uh, treat others as you want to be treated and believe and believe with certainty and all these things will happen just you have to have not just faith but certainty and then put your action steps in i don't want to get all biblical on you but it says a faith with no works is dead you know if you don't put no action steps with it it's not going to happen and that take it to another level it's really simple to be successful um, but I don't want to steer you wrong. It does take some hard work, but it's really simple. It's, it's simple. Uh, have a vision. Make a commitment. Now, when we say make a commitment, we're going to say go all in and then take action steps every day. Execute, 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 execute. And the next thing you know, it's like, hey, mom, I'm riding a bike with no hands. I love that. You know, I know uh, one of the things I saw, I believe on your website, you quoted the, the Chinese word for problem is the same as opportunity. That's right. That's right. That's right. I love that, man. It's just a mindset shift. And I've heard you in a bunch of interviews and, you know, through the stuff that you're doing, it really seems like that's the mindset shift that you've had is you're really solution based, which I think is probably one of the most important characteristics where everybody's saying problems, problems, problems. So um, your comeback story now was a really amazing one. So building momentum in deals and starting back up, was your family supportive of you getting back into real estate after you had taken a little bit of a beating? You know, I'll have to say yes. Uh, now at the time, uh, which was kind of planned, uh, you know, I, I talked to a lot of, uh, I had a lot of mentors that were, uh, you know, had their own businesses. And one of the key things they were saying, look, and if you can try not to have kids or be married, prior to you starting your business. And I, that was one of the things I was fortunate to have. I didn't have any kids. I didn't have a wife at the time uh, because the, that's another story. But as you grow, you know, you, 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 you're changing, you're, you're ever evolving. Like you're not the same person you were when you were 20. And that's when you were 20, you're not the same person when you're 26 or 30 or 40, you're continuing to evolve. And so when you start to bring another person into that picture, they may not agree. And not that because they don't want you to succeed, they just don't understand. And so you're constantly battling that. But uh, with, with my family, literally they, they took me back in. I, I, I was like homeless for a minute, I was couch surfing. And, and finally my parents was like, look man, just, just come on home and, and we got you. And from there, I, I, realistically, in a year and a half, I was back on my feet. I was doing deals. I was making money. I bought, I found me an investor that lent me 200 grand at two points. And I was just doing deals. And by what, two, a year and a half later, so a total of two and a half years, uh, let's just say year three, I bought me a house, kind of my first 
I won't call it my dream, dream house, but my first step to a dream house, because I said I want a 3,000 square foot, you know, kind of uh, a, a, a historic house with the vaulted ceilings that I can renovate. And I found that house, the house I used to dream about going to school. And I paid for it cash. And I did it three years and I still didn't move in. I still <laughs> stayed at home and worked out and kind of renovated and kept doing more deals. And then finally, I think about year four, year five, I, I moved in after I renovated it and uh, had plenty of money set aside. And, um, and and it was crazy. My mom and dad were paying my bills. I then would wake up every once in a while and I would leave money, you know, a couple of thousand dollars on a dresser form or a check and, you know, pay it back and, and paid it back uh, multiple times, I'm sure. Uh, matter of fact, I, it, you know, and I'm not saying that to brag, but the, I was so grateful, you know, when my mom, my dad passed away, so my mom didn't have to worry about it, I paid her mortgage off as well. And so I was ever grateful that uh, my own family, because I, you know, a lot of people, man, their parents are like, when you out, that's it. You know, I, I, when you're 18, get out of here. <laughs> they welcome they welcome me back, and, and I'm, I'm so grateful, man. I'm so grateful. I think that's awesome, man. I'm, a, I'm very close with my parents, and I tell everybody I didn't come from money, but it came from support. And whatever that's I wanted right. to do, they were very supportive of that. And I, I think that that's almost more important than coming from somebody who can write you a check, somebody that can be that's there. That's right. And uh, so I think that's awesome. The fact that you did that for your parents, I think, is, is amazing and says a lot about you, because I know a lot of people that would not do the same thing. And I, I, that doesn't make sense to me having the relationship I have. So yeah. I relate to that, man. I think that that's awesome. Now, um, building back up, wh what was it that happened that made you decide you were going to go back at it? Like, was there something that you just, you know, one day something happened, you were like, all right, I'm, I'm getting back on the horse. I'm going back after this. Man, I didn't know nothing else. <laughs> like, this was real estate. I was like, this is it, bro. Like, I, well, here's the other thing. I kept getting fired from my job. So I... <laughs> I, me and jobs didn't work out. I graduated electrical engineer and I had a great job uh, with a guy, Mike Griffey, man. He was my mentor. Uh, he was my boss. Uh, he was my one of my first investors, unfortunately. He, and he was my hero. And he actually just passed away uh, two, three weeks ago. And uh, he hired me on, man. As an engineer, one to show me how to build a successful business and invest at the time I was doing concerts and parties and he bankrolled me. And uh, man, it, 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 was, it was one of the greatest things ever, man. And uh, I, I just truly appreciated that. And, and, and from there, uh, I got more investors, start doing more deals. I think that's awesome. Very sorry for your loss. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. That's tough, man. But that's great that he was there for you. And now I know as, as part of you getting to where you are today, I've heard you talk about goal setting a lot. And I, I love the story that you talked about how you made that mental, the mental shift to say, I'm going to make a million dollars this year, but you That's didn't right. hit it that year. But talk yeah. a little bit about that because I think that people, people downplay writing goals and some of the most successful people I've had on there, they literally say pen and paper every day, write down the goals and you realign them. And like, again, all those business cliches, man. Like if you shoot up here and you hit down here, it's still good as you're still making your way up. So your year that you didn't hit would still be a great year for anybody. That's right. That, oh man, it was a still outstanding year, but uh, <laughs> pushing the limits. But that came, I mean, I was always into goals, but the book that really did that was uh, Jim Collins the, from Good to Great. And he had this thing called BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. And it was like, look, who cares? Like, make them so ridiculous, so uncomfortable, that's unrealistic to obtain. And, but what happens is you'll set the bar so high that you're accomplishing goals that you would never even imagine. And so, as you say that, like, I like to say you shoot for the heavens, but then you missed it and you only landed in the stars. Well, you shoot for the stars, you land in the clouds, but, <coughs> <clears throat> but if you keep shooting for the earth, you're not going anywhere, brother. You'll be right here. So always look at trying to hit a new paradigm. And, and because of that, like for one, here's one of my BHAGs now is the hotels, a hundred hotels in this climate. Um, it's ridiculous. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, and, but because of that, I've, I've landed four hotel deals. 
uh, and, and, and because I, I shared it with people and, and we have the process, people are reaching out to us, throwing us deal, inviting us in joint ventures. Uh, that would not have been on the table if I wouldn't have set that goal. Uh, so, you know, I encourage people, man, just to go after it. And, and that's what I did. I, I, I first, I set the goal uh, for uh, what was it? Just, just to get to live rent-free. And then I was like, whoa, I'm living rent-free. Well, let me try this again. And then I did it where uh, I bought two four families and they paid my car note and my utility bill. I was like, whoa, we got to do it again. <laughs> and then I did another one. I had, that was going to save. And so I'm working a nine to five and my real estate has paid all my bills. And so I'm banking my check. I was like, man, I thought I was rich. You know, I thought I was like Dave Chappelle or Rick James. <laughs> I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> you could tell me nothing, man. And, uh, you know, it, it, and like I said, but I set out the goal to make a million dollars, man. And you know what? I failed. I failed. I, I didn't do it. But because I set the goal, I made $250,000 that year because I set my heights. And then I kept working it and working. It. And by the, what was the thing about the third or fourth year, I finally made a million dollars. And I was surrounded by people that were doing the same thing, you know, um, as they always say, the cliche, if you can't, you know, if, if you want to be like somebody, be around them. And if they're not, change the people around you. And, uh, and, and I hung around some big dogs, man. And I was like, look, dude, I just want a crumb. And literally, I'll never forget my first crumb from the big dog was, hey, Mike, uh, you like multi-units. Well, I, I, I only like to do deals in three to five million. So I got this little 28 unit, man, that you can have. Uh, they had reserves and escrows. You can manage it, take over. I'll come back and buy it for me. You're kind of doing me a favor. I was like, I'm doing you a favor? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that deal, I made, what, about 150, 300,000 on it? A crumb. So I'll take crumbs all the time. But with sincerity, I'm not saying just to hang around people just because. I'm saying hang around people because you'll learn more and, and you'll grow into that, that, to that, that, that vision that you have. I think that that's absolutely true. And 100%, I agree with uh, the masterminds and the groups that I've been around and just cutting out the negativity and the negative people. It makes a big difference, you know, when you're hearing people every day share their success stories and it doesn't come across as bragging versus right. people every day telling you you can't do this and it doesn't work and it's a scam. And, you know, that that weighs you down, you know, and it starts. Yeah, to exactly. You know? you know, I've always been a big believer in that and, you know, trying to, you know, when I first got into real estate, telling everybody about what I was going to do and having everybody squash it down and make fun of me. And now that I'm actually doing well, you know, I do the podcast, but I don't really bring it up because the tendency isn't really, oh, good for you. How do I learn? It's like, oh, no, you yeah. know what? I'm like, it's, it's so weird. But any other, if I said, hey, I'm opening up a restaurant, something that's like destined to fail, people are excited. Oh, it's a great idea. Tell me, I'll come in and I'll get lunch. But for some reason, the real estate business that's made more millionaires than any other business, the average person tells you you're crazy for doing it. It's the most backwards <laughs> thing I've, I've ever heard. It's nuts. But um, I do like that you, you, you mentioned Robert Allen was part of how you started. You had the old Carlton Sheets box. Which like, <laughs> I just went home last month to New York and my mom has boxes all over the house and I opened it up and she's like, what do you want to do with this? And I was like, this is the old Carlton Sheets box. Like, this is the first thing I ever bought. You know, and I, I feel like maybe now I'm dating myself because the new generation probably doesn't have it. But every guy that I'd say is like, like over 30 that's in real estate started with like a Robert Allen book or the Carlton Sheets like infomercial. <laughs> Man, there was there was a thing, man. I mean, I look back at some of that Carlton sheets, man, and and, and he always had those people at this nice boat uh, or, or boat area or this nice scenery and how they did a deal and how they made thirty thousand or how they make a five thousand a month cash flow, and I, I loved it. Now, but but what they don't tell you is don't over leverage like that, man. But <laughs> <laughs> hey. There's probably so many foreclosures using that Carlton Sheets. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a cool thing, which I, I definitely want to talk about when we go further along the conversation. But 
social media and the way people are learning today, I feel like there's a lot more, there's definitely a lot of bullshit, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of transparency too for the things that people take hits on. And I think when I was coming up similar to you through the Robert Allen and the Carlton Sheet stuff, there was never a mention of failure or you might lose money doing this or be careful of that. Like everybody told me all the good things and all the bad things I learned from making my own mistakes. And that's why to me now, I'm always like, don't tell, I, I already know the good stuff. Like, what don't I know? Where could I get hurt? Like, cause that's what I need to be aware of. That's right. Not taking those lumps that you took. And to me, that is worth everything and joining groups and hanging around with people that have already been there. Yeah, no, I, I you know, quite frankly, I have a lot of people that they, they appreciate me that much more and appreciate what we share. Cause I do share the failures, uh, you know, but I think I learned best through failures. Uh, so uh, as some people are like, oh, he's so smart. I was like, no, I, I think I'm just a, a very wise guy, <laughs> right? I, I can tell you exactly why you shouldn't do that. Uh, no, but you know, when I share my failures the most, uh, people understand that you're real. And if somebody sits there and keeps telling you all the great things they've done and they can't share a failure, you know, I, I'm not really ready for that one trick pony. You know, I, I, I want to know what you did wrong. Uh, because I want to learn from that and I want to elevate from there, you know, and I, I think, I don't know if that was my biggest failure, but it's probably my most, my biggest financial failure. Uh, but I had a development where we had the opportunity to do a 70, well, it was about a 70 to a hundred million start off at 70, but it ended up being about a hundred million dollar development and it just didn't happen. And we had over $400,000 in development fees and the project never took off. I was in the papers. Uh, I was in the local paper, local mm-hmm. city council, the mayor, the commissioner, you know, I was sitting with all these guys. And now, you know, it felt like I was on the wall of shame, man. And, um, <laughs> and But not, not the wall of shame for passing out from drinking too many beers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, man, that, that was, that, but, but I understood from that experience, I learned the importance of the team and, and when you get stuck, not trying to figure it out yourself, but being able to figure out how to call on somebody, you know, uh, I was reading, uh, listening to, uh, uh what's his name? Brand, what's his name? Russell Bronson and, and, and how he's like, man, people, they, they have this vision and, and they see the end and they're moving, they're making steps, but all of a sudden they get to a point where they get derailed or off road of, of how, like, I don't know how to do that. And so they'll spend all this time trying to figure out how versus leveraging, as we always talk about leveraging other people experience that's done that. Because what happens, you hit that that roadblock, that how, uh, you're not, you're going to procrastinate. There ain't no other way. You're going to stop what you're doing and go in circles, uh, spinning around versus just making phone calls and trying to figure out that how to fill that gap. And next thing you know, you're back on your road again. So, Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world, and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. I love that. And I, I feel like that's something that I need to constantly tell myself. Yeah, me is, too. <laughs> I get wrapped up in that, you know, but just, you know, I was, I was talking to my partner about it yesterday and, and she was going back and forth and I was like, you know, I don't, I still don't really know the answer, but I'm a lot more clear on what I don't know now. And I have better questions and I definitely am understanding it. And I, I've been trying to live that of, 
like don't sit still, just keep moving forward. And you'll, you know, learning 80% of it is better than not knowing hundred percent of it. And you'll, you'll get those pieces. You'll get those pieces. And it's just a process, man. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, a lot of people get stuck, which is understandable, but that, that was, that was my, my issue, uh, my expectation of people. Like, how can you get stuck? Like you're, you're brilliant. Like, you know, way more than me. Like there's, do you, there's no reason why you shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing it in a hundred times better than me. But I removed the fear because I, I lost everything. And I'm like, well, it ain't nothing to lose. There ain't nothing to fear because I've been through that. And, but you, you're going to get stuck. But you know what? We were always people, uh, my, everybody I'm around, we, we were the people like, man, we'll figure it out. Well, where are you going to get a million bucks? I don't know. <laughs> where you, <laughs> it was like, well, if you don't know where you're going to get a million, how are you going to get 10 million? I don't know. Um, but I guarantee you, I'm gonna figure it out, and and that's what we did. We learned how to uh, pitch people the right way, to give them the elevator pitch, to let them to bring value, to not talk about yourself, to let them know it's all about you and what we can provide, and and, and that we can get, we will be the bridge to get them to where they want to be. And once we did that, that's when we started raising money. But, that, but it wasn't but it wasn't that easy you know yeah well you you touched on something of like hey these people are, are smarter than i am how come they're not doing a hundred times more i've actually found that the more i know the more i overthink it the less i do and i'm almost jealous now of yes. the people that are starting out that don't know any better <laughs> when i was just like a you know brand new and green and i was a blank slate i was just going after everything and now i'm like That's well right. you know so yeah. it, it's almost slowed me down like i'm almost jealous of new guys that are just green and just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and going after it because they don't there's no breaks yeah they don't get it they, they and so they not if it's kind of like a kid you know yes. why is it the kid like understands these computers and video games and remote controls these basic <laughs> why because they ain't scared to push all the buttons they just keep pushing the buttons right and then they once they pushed all the buttons they get it whereas us we're like i don't want to push that button because then i may turn my tv on forever and i'll never be able to turn it back on right and, and, and that's the difference with, with these new guys. Well, even me, I wasn't afraid to push any buttons. You know, I was like, who said you're supposed to do it like that? And then I'll do it and I'll mess up. And I was like, that is why you don't do that. Great. <laughs> <laughs> now here's a better way to do it. And so, you know, that, that's it, man. So it's just going after it. Push the buttons, man. That's it. Push the buttons, go after it. Uh, be relentless, man. I love that, man. And now touching on that and getting information, it, it is, there, there's pros and cons to the way people get information now. And I remember hearing your story similar to mine that you would have to literally like go to a library, check out a book to read about <laughs> it and then return it. And, you know, now people have YouTube and Instagram and all these crazy places to learn. But I want two two part question, really. What is your thoughts on the way that there's just information everywhere now? And follow up to that is, do you think there's too much? Because you know, when I, when I put myself in the shoes of somebody starting out that I'm like, look how good you have it. I also look at it as like, who do you listen to? Where do you go? Where do you start? It's, it's almost overload. I had to make a decision last week that I was like, I'm only going to pick like three or four Facebook groups and follow only them for a month because the, this gets me excited. This one's doing yeah, this. Yeah, I want to be yeah. on this webinar and it, your head will explode. You get overwhelmed really quickly. No, that, you, you got a point. Uh, I was fortunate to, to be able to make some good decisions. I can't say I always made the good, great decisions, but I already kind of knew what I wanted uh, and, and what it should kind of look like. Uh, but I didn't always know the process, right? Uh, and, and it's very, it's like, here's a perfect example. So football, my kids playing football and I never saw myself being a seventh, eighth grade football coach. The reason why I knew I could coach anybody from preschool to sixth grade, because at that age is nothing but confidence. All I got to say is you're great. You could do anything, run through that brick wall and they will run through the brick wall. That's simple. But when you got to seventh, eighth grade, uh, you know, you, you that brick wall ain't working no more. You got you got to teach us some skill sets, and so I say that there was YouTube and all these online, 
And I kind of knew what to look for and what I, I, I need. I, I saw what these kids were missing and I could go online and, and easy access it. Uh, but like real estate, you can easily go online again and access it. But the problem is, who do you want to access it for from, as you state, you know, how, how do you know it? And it's kind of like, you'll know their voice, you know, like, boom. but you got to have some basic principles, right? For yourself, like, even though they're different and they're bringing some information, you still got to evaluate the person, right? Do they have the same principles as I do? Uh, do Are they going in the same direction I want to go? Uh, what, how have they learned from their mistakes? And, and that's kind of a, a good way of looking at it. And that's why I have the followers I do. I don't sell them BS. I don't try to be something I'm not. Uh, I, I tell like it is, man. You know, uh, I, I share my failures, I share my family, and uh, I, and I'm giving. And, and, and that's what attracts people to us and to our group. And I'm surrounded by people like that. And, and we've given second chances to people. And, and, and so with that, I was able to, even with those, I use those same principles to make the conscious decisions to follow somebody. And then once I get what I need, I'm, I'm off to the next thing. You know, and I look at people and then here's other thing. Just look at people that had the success with that prior information, you know, you got, you know, it's kind of like a hotel, man, uh, or a product. You know, nowadays, man, you're like, well, how do I know this is a good product? Look at the reviews. If the reviews say it's good, most likely it's good. If it says it's bad, don't don't be the first <laughs> one to try to do something different. Like, well, you know, so I, I think that's it. Yes, it could be an overload, but just check out the reviews and, and look at people's past success, man. Do a little due diligence and then and then follow. And, and, and you'll be surprised. And, <clears throat> and, and you know what? Follow some of the big guys. I meant Dan Loke, uh, L-O-K, man. He, man, amazing. I, because of him and another guy, I, I learned how to pitch. I knew what I was looking for. And just watching a five-minute video from him, I cleaned up my pitch and I started closing like crazy. Uh, there's uh, Eric. Thomas, the hip hop preacher, man. Oh my God. I just love this guy, man. Just always talking about commitment and, and he says it with passion and flavor that we just get it. And, and, you know, and he looks like me, you know, nothing out there, but it's a guy that look like me that I've seen doing my challenges. Sometimes that's what people need. You know, maybe you need somebody to look like you or have the same background, you know, uh, you know that's kind of how you get through it. But those, but I've listened and read about everything man and when somebody takes it clears up that notch you know that's why i like it so yes you know it's a lot of information out there but just listen with your heart look at what experience they have and then make the decision just follow like you said and, and don't quit listen to everybody else man just dig in for a minute don't forget to add yourself to that. Tell people where they can find you because your social media, I definitely want to talk about some of the stuff you're doing on there. I love the content you're dropping and I love the the angle you play is a little different when you're dropping deals and asking people to answer you on, hey, is this a deal? Why is this deal? Why is this not a deal? And you're getting interaction. You're making people think about it and then you're giving the answer and it's it's refreshing and I really, really enjoy following your social media. So talk about yours because it, it's, it's something everybody needs to be following. Yeah, so right now we, we got our tribe, right? A Facebook apartment investing secrets uh, where we share tons of content on whether you want to do house hacking, burr, you know, or, or, or apartment or hotel investing. Uh, you, you get all that kind of information, how to look at a deal, how to raise capital, how to use uh, online, all free content. I said all this all free. Uh, <laughs> And, and we share webinars. And then uh, also on my Instagram, uh, was that Mike Ely, at Mike Ely Nassau, where we we're share uh, different motivation. We share how to, we interact with people on deal. Why you think it's a deal or no deal? Uh, I answer people questions. We do that on LinkedIn at Mike Ely. You know, I'm just a given person and I just wanted to change my community 
and, and I, I knew I could do that through real estate. Now, I'm not saying that's the only way, but that is where I'm at right now. That's what I know on the back of my hands, right? Like I do that in my sleep. I wake up, Mike, I don't know where this is. I was like, look, all you got to do is plug in this formula and do this and it's done. And I go back to sleep. Like I know it like that. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, in, in our book uh, right here, From Broke to Millions, uh, from broke to millions.com, uh, I wrote in a book, man, about my story, share the formulas, why you should do things, why you shouldn't do things, uh, how to buy if you don't have credit, how you buy if you don't have cash, how to raise money, where to find deals. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on, uh, even the mindset of, 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 of succeeding. And, 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 you know, that's why I hear, like I always share, that's why I have this picture over here. It's this, uh, he ain't heavy. We always want to reach back and pull people up, man, and, and bring them on our level. And, and not just my level, surpass me. As a matter of fact, some of my students are surpassing me. I'm jealous, actually. <laughs> uh, had a student, seriously, man, I'm teaching them all about it. And whether he comes through, you know, commits this guy, but through my techniques, he meets a, a, a person that's in charge of a $400 million trust that has to dis distribute this money. And I'm like, well, son of a biscuit, you know how long it took me just to find somebody with a million bucks and you, you off the rip and, you know, in six weeks or less. So, you know, I, I'm just saying a lot of great content. And, you know, I see a lot of people succeed. It definitely is. And uh, one of the tips you gave that I definitely like to ask you about is you say you're very careful about picking markets, which to me is a, a huge thing. And I, what I see, especially, um, I, you know, I've been wholesaling portfolios and apartment buildings and things like that. And people are constantly battling me of, well, you know, we usually like to get a better cap rate and more aggressive returns. Yeah. And I'm like, great, send me the deals that you think you're getting a better return on. <laughs> and they're, they're always in these terrible neighborhoods. And I'm like, you yeah. just don't understand that that's not really a performing cap rate. That's, that's not right. really the return you're gonna get. So when you invest in a little bit of a better area, yeah, maybe the return on paper won't be an 11 cap or a 13 cap or something like that, but it's actually going to make you money versus just, you know, again, like you said, cost you your hair, cost you your stress. So to me, that's a huge thing that I've seen you give, give a lot of great advice on. Yeah. So, you know, that's the reason I can really speak on that, you know, I started off in DNF neighborhoods. So and for our listeners, the DNF neighborhood, there's war zones, literally they out shooting and, <laughs> and, uh, but that's where I started. And man, you, you'll get great cash flow. I mean, unheard of cap rates. Now, when I first started, you know, even in those type of areas, people want to say, well, at least I can get a 13 cap and that's good. I was surpassing it. Like there wasn't even a cap rate for what I was getting. Like literally I was buying a 20, 30 cap, who knows? And because uh, they, they were struggling part properties, but you know, I understood guerrilla marketing where that's like hands on street, you know, uh, wherever these people were, I, I was there or my marketing was there. Just simple things. Putting up flyers, little tear-off flyers in all the locations people lived at, having signs on the building, uh, and visiting programs that would uh, lease uh, from you or would lease in this type of neighborhood. Uh, the, the, the other thing we had was, uh, uh, oh, shoot, what else do we have? Goodness gracious, it slipped my mind that much. Which one? Huh? Which one? We was talking about marketing. Uh, good Lord. Nick, what was the question again? Oh, I forgot. Big, big, big. You were going over D areas and F areas. And oh, yeah, D. I see, man, I'd start rambling. I don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm talking about. <laughs> old ass man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like what? Uh, no, the D and F neighborhoods. Yeah, so start off in D and F. And, and, but it was a struggle. And, and like literally I was sharing a story in my webinar. It's like, look, man, it's a difference uh, uh, culturally, everything, mindset. Like in my DNF neighborhoods, literally, they would call me in November, December, like, Mr. Mike, I'm going to be late with my rent. And I'm like, okay, what's late, man? Be like, I'll pay you. Now, remember, it's November, December. I'll pay you when we get our income tax back in February. I'm like, well, damn, player. <laughs> Versus... When I got moved up to see properties, uh, they were like, yo, I'm gonna be late with my rent. And, but it's like the 30th and I'm like, what's late? And they was like, I'm gonna have it to you on the third. And I was like, whoa, don't let it happen again, <laughs> right? And so, but 
as you gradually come out of that D and F, you start elevating, you have different issues. And like when you get to A properties and B properties, I'm not saying you're not evicting people, but that, that eviction rate is going down. And sometimes you just give them a notice and they're like, I'm out of here. You know, whereas these other ones, you're fighting. And then you don't have as much maintenance issues as, as you said, because you were talking about cap rate and cash flow. Yeah, you might have bought that low income property in a low income neighborhood, you're making a lot of money, but you're constantly doing maintenance and turnovers and, 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 and replacement versus these A and B properties. These people barely tear up anything. Like you're, you're, you're not even doing a full paint job. You're just touching up paint and clean the carpet and you're moving somebody else in there. And yes, the, the cash on cash is down, but it's solid. You know, it doesn't take a rocket science to manage that. Like when you got an A and B plus property, uh, which, you know, you'll hear uh, a lot of people when they get into units over 100, 200 units plus, they say they want an A or B property because they can hire any property manager in a phone book to manage that properly. Versus when you go C and below, you know, that that's a special type of guy. You know, you, you're just not going to manage that easily. A hundred percent. I just flipped a 10 unit building in Ohio and it, I went through a property manager that didn't work out. I, I, like you said, things happen. So one of the blessings is I've learned how to identify them fast and get rid of them quick. So yeah. again, it's not like it doesn't happen. You don't have bad property managers, but you take care of those problems before they're major problems and they're still fixable. And then I got somebody in there who really understood that market, really understood that people, wasn't afraid to roll their sleeves up and get in there and get dirty. And when I sold the property, I told the guy, I was like, the key to this building being good is keeping that property manager happy. Happy That's property right. manager, happy building. And it's exactly like you said, because you know, if you have all that turnover, yeah, okay, maybe the building's making money, but all the new leases are going to the to the property manager. You're not making any money. That's right. You're not making no money. They're making all the huge, fees. man. And for somebody who's starting out, like you keep saying, back to the way the conversation started, if you don't have those reserves, that becomes a nightmare. That becomes something that sinks you. But it's not Please. that bad when you've saved up the right way. You, you know what to expect. You you run your numbers right. Um, now, having having position from there, I know you do a multifamily and you're moving now more into hotels, which I definitely want to hear more about, but I had a question because I know you're raising a lot of money with the current state now, politically a little bit, yes, um, that's sort of um, leveling out a little bit, but with coronavirus and everything, are you having different conversations or more difficult conversations raising funds from people because of the state of the world right now? No, I'm not. Uh, and that's because when you're raising money, uh, it's about relationships and, and people, you got to realize people are investing in you. They're not investing in the hotel. They're investing in you. And once you know that, and, and, and so here, here's, let me go back a little bit. When I first went out to start pitching money, I started telling everybody about what I was doing and our success. They do care about that, but, your investors really don't care about it. They really care about what you're going to do for them. And can I trust you to invest my money and make something good in return happen for me, right? And so I say I didn't have a rough time raising money because they invested in me and they respect what I do. And I really studied the market. So they trust me that I analyze the market. And so with the coronavirus, I was fortunate enough to know, really watch this whole thing unfold because I have a lot of friends that work in our, our research and development for all these uh, pharmaceutical companies. And they, you know, they, every single one of them came back to me like, Mike, it's going to be rough. Uh, there's going to be shutdowns. Everything they said is what's going to happen. But it was like, look, we should by October, November, they already started working on vaccines back back in January, February, January, February, 2009, 2020, 2019, no, 20. Yeah, yeah, it was 20. I already started on, yeah, because I was like, man, we, we blending in. Yeah, yeah. That's Because it really came to us, started coming in December, January, February, March, right? So back then in February 20, they already started working on the vaccine. They already projected that October, November, they will be coming out with that. And, and now, to this day, I've been saying that since March of 2019, 
we will have a vaccine. Well, you already got two groups that potentially will come out of phase three this month. I was off a little bit. I said October. You got reservoir or something like that. They already given at the hospital, but they now know the correct doses to give you to manage it to go in. So there's less deaths happening coming out of the hospital now, all right, from coronavirus. Now, I'm not saying that we should stop what we're doing and go out and party, right? Uh, and, and don't inject me. I'm not taking that first shot, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but um, they already got this correct dosage that's been controlling. Uh, and, and then now there's another pharmaceutical company that, that has a 90% effective rate that should be coming out uh, within the next week or two, which they're already going in front of FDA. And then there'll be even more. And so what that means, there'll be mass production in March or April. Now, that doesn't mean it'll be ready available and the market's going to come back. But what that means is the whole uh, uh, public perception will change. I'm not going to get sick or die if I get this virus. So then we're going to have an uptick in, in our economy. And for the hotel industry, that's a slight uptick of about 10%, right? If we have 10 more percent people traveling because the public perception for change, which it will, that's going to be the difference of these hotels breaking even and performing. I'm not saying they're going to be performing like they were in 2019, but they're going to be at uh, 45 to 50%. And those hotels that are already at 45, 50, they'll be at 60%. If you have 60% and you ain't got a lot of debt, you're making money. If you have 40, 50%, you're breaking even. So now all these hotels we bought non-performing and we funded it with tons of reserves, right? For this period. We get that slight uptick. That's the difference of breaking even. Now, when the market comes, we're selling these hotels at a four, five, six, seven X. And so because of that, you know, it's risky, but that's why people are coming to invest with us. And we look at the worst case and we fund the deficit for over a year, year and a half. And, uh, you know, we already see markets coming back already, you know, so. That's excellent. So what made you decide that you were interested in hotels? How did you make the leap from multifamily to hotels? You know, I should tell you that I really analyzed it and, you know, I saw, which is all true. This is all true, man. I saw the, the cash flow that these hotels kick off. I saw the depreciation that one can obtain uh, when they acquire a hotel. Uh, so for example, um, just depreciation it has nothing to do with cash flow about the project. Just you listeners, depreciation helps offset your taxes. So I got a depreciation check or check K one was one of the best things I ever saw in my life. A negative $795,000 <laughs> that offset all my gains. I'm not paying any federal taxes, right? I got a, a, a friends in the hotel industry, they haven't paid federal taxes in years because they have so many write-offs and depreciation. That's one. Number two, you're acquiring. So when you're buying a hotel or apartment or a business, doesn't matter. You're buying cash flow. That's the whole point of it. So you're buying an NOI. And so let's say the average hotel has an NOI on these little smaller hotels of a million bucks, right? After 12 months, you're netting a million bucks. If you go out and buy an apartment and, and you get in a decent area, you're buying that at a six cap, right? Let's just use that example. You're buying that at a six cap. So that million dollar NOI is gonna cost you uh, about 16 million bucks at a six cap. If you bought a hotel, you can buy that same cash flow at an eight cap. That, that million dollar cash flow only cost me $11 million to buy. So overall, I'm buying this cheaper than I would, it would cost me a whole apartment and it's less competitive. Now what today's market is even cheaper, you're not even buying these hotels on cap rates. So that is the reason I should tell you why I bought hotels. But the real reason is, man, they were just so damn happy everywhere I went. 
I was like, why are you so damn happy? What are you doing? Like, trust me, I, I got some big friends that are multi-millionaires and billionaires that did apartments and they do extremely well and they content. But these hotel guys, they so lively, so loose, like even the most rigid guys, like one of the funnest guys to be around. And I used to start watching it and, and it wasn't until then I got interested. And then I saw all the different things that they were benefiting from and the difference. And that's what drove me to hotels. So it was really like, they were just fucking happy and they had nice clothes and they were traveling. And even the ones that don't shop, they were just real chill and did whatever they wanted. Awesome. Now you just posted something a couple of days ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, of you signing docs in a hotel you were buying that you said it was basically no money down, might've been an $8 million deal. Yeah, it was about oh. an $8.3 million deal. Uh, perfect example. I came in uh, and it's no different than what people are doing on short sales of single family house. I did a, basically a loan assumption uh, in apartments or single family. What, what do they call it when you assume the debt on the single family? They call it loan. loan oh, subject to. Subject to. Yeah. That's what they used to call the subject to. That's all I did. Subject to. I bought the project subject to the debt. I took over the debt. I brought it current. That was it. Nothing more, nothing less. I didn't put any earnest money down. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't have to put a down payment for the loan. No, typically for the loan, you have to bring what? Uh, on a deal like that, 30% down. Right, and so thirty percent down on what? Let's just say nine million. Rounded off to ten, that would have been three million. So I had to bring two and a half. I didn't have to bring all that. Uh, they waived part of my acquisition fee. So realistically, all I had to bring like three hundred grand to the table. The rest of the money I brought to the table was to uh, carry costs to cover the deficit during the storm. And then when the market picks up, we out, we sell. Nice. Man. What's your projected profit on that? So on a deal like that, we believe we could, at a very conservative, very conservative, three X uh, on the deal. That's minimum. And that's the market not really coming back. That's at a 68% occupancy. And our ADR, which is your average daily rate, which is in layman's term, instead of monthly rent, you have a daily rent, right? That daily rate doesn't go past $90, right? But if two things happen, if the market comes back, all right, you got that 3X, right? But if the market comes back and we get inflation, which we should get because we have this pent up demand and we're not going to have enough to provide because you're going to have tons of hotels going offline and not just that manufacturing everywhere. They're not going to be ready when the economy comes back because people, so many people are laid off. They're not going to be able to produce or manufacture these, 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 these products that we need. So we'll have inflation. So that'll push your, your daily rate up. Right. And then if all comes back, which it should, if it goes over $85 a barrel, we got a seven X deal. If it doesn't go over, we got a five X. So, you know, I'm playing the odds on that, man. I like it, man. I'm excited for you. It's good stuff. Um, you've been awesome, man. This has been great. I definitely want to, at the end, what we like to do is called the victory lap. And I kind uh -oh. of wrote out these last final questions, man. But so hmm. gear up, glove up. First question, um, giving back. I see that you guys are doing a lot for you're offering all kinds of scholarships and things. So talk a little bit about how are you giving back? Yeah, so we're offering scholarships. Uh, uh, you know, I had the goal for 25, 25. I want to make 25 millionaires. Uh, and, and we all give back to put some uh, kids in school. Um, I'm also, I give to my church, uh, which I kind of hide that fact. When I give, me and my buddy, we put a pot together and we run into people that are hitting hard times. And, and, and we hear about it and we're like, you know what? I think if you take your story to this church, uh, they'll, they'll take care of you. And which is actuality, us writing the checks. And so, uh, and then my, my next big one is my, the one I really love uh, is a football program. 
I got an inner city football team that we're going to sponsor. And uh, we, we, we'll, we'll be affecting, working with about 80 to 100 kids. And so I'm putting a program, not so they just learn football and, and be really competitive, but I want them to be competitive off the field. And so we want to share entrepreneurships and, and, and put them with like-minded, well, people not like-minded, but uh, stepped up that can, you know, step down and bring them up to a whole nother level because they just haven't seen anything. And so we just want to expose them to what they can and, and what we, not what they can, but what we expect them to be. That's outstanding. Uh, talk about a typical day for you. Man, see, Corona got me all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, cause before Corona came in, I was a five in the morning guy and uh, I'd be at the gym, I'm working, praying, meditating. And then I'm off working, man, that, that ain't happening no more. <laughs> I'm slowed down. Uh, I'm kind of slow in the morning now. Uh, but what happens now is in the, I, I, you know, seven in the morning, I'm up and at it, feeding kids for breakfast. And then I'm off to the job on phone calls, working deals, uh, visiting properties or analyzing deals, talking with partners. Uh, but now then around four o'clock, I quit because now I'm home headed to work with the kids on all these sports because I coach most, most of them, whatever they play. And so that kind of takes me up for the week. And then, but now because of that, I may lay down at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock and doze off and wake up at one, I can't sleep. So now I'm up at one, two, three in the morning working. So, which is cool, but you know, I, I shoot a lot of emails at two, three in the morning in our days. Nice, nice, awesome. What is your favorite book? Man, my, uh, now for a minute, it was uh, 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 Relentless by Tim, Tim, Tim Grover, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was really in, about greatness, how to really achieve it. Uh, I talked about Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like they had that killer instinct. And when somebody, what made them so great, what made them the greatest, they saw somebody and anybody that looked, even, even looked like they were better than them, <laughs> they would play them until they felt they were better than them, until they dominated them. And they went on. It's like they just ate them up. But now, uh, Malcolm uh, Gladwell, uh, 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 David and Goliath, Goliath uh, is one of my favorites, man. It just talks about. Uh, everything is not what it looks like. And, and, and just because you're the big fish in the big pond, uh, you don't, you don't have to be, you could be the big fish. It will be in a big fish in a, a little pond is not that great, but being a big fish in a big pond is, and just because it's all about commitment and, and, and mastering your craft and putting over 10,000 hours in, no matter who you, who you are or what you've been through. It's not about they were smarter than you. You can do the same thing with repetition and putting your time in and, and you can master it, but it's going to take you 10,000 hours to do it. That's fair. I like that. Uh, and last one, rounding it out. If you had a time machine, it can go back in time and a young Mike Ely came up and asked you for advice starting out, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give a younger you? Man, I, I would have definitely read more. Well, I would have hung around some different mentors uh, than I did because I, I knew much more what I wanted and I would have believed in myself even more, but put myself with more action step people. You know, I, I was the guy that was believing the most, but really no guidance. And then when I finally got that guidance, uh, you know, I was in my late twenties, early thirties. I would have started that when I was in the seventh grade, fifth grade, uh, 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 you know, pushing on the kids, tell them that you could do these things and guide them and have them reading about businesses and exposing them to these things right away. Cause uh, you know, I was fortunate enough, the reason I say that I was fortunate enough to be a coach in all sports from every community, whether you are low income, inner city, you're in the suburbs, 
you're wealthy suburbs, you in the city, but wealthy, or you are a broke family. I saw the mentalities and how they grew and they, how they, why they were successful in what they did and why some people weren't successful in sports, but they were highly successful in school. Or how these, why these inner city guys, they were so fast, right? And they were successful in sports, but not so much successful in school. And, 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 and that's because they went out and played all day. Whereas these other families, they mentored and they, and they worked with their kids and they worked with their homework where these other families, they didn't have time to work because they work in three jobs just to provide. So these kids are out on their own and playing and, and, and working in the streets all day. And so naturally the streets are raising these kids versus the family. And so, you know, I would, I would, I would work with them and, and to educate them and expose them even more. That's awesome. And obviously, finally, I uh, talk about present and future. Uh, Michael Neely, Ely, how do they work with you? How do they find you? What do you have going on with Nassau Investments? All kinds yeah, of stuff. That's great, man. Come, come to NassauInvest.com with an S N A S S A U I N V E S T S.com. You can reach us there. You always find me on LinkedIn at Mike Ely or is it Michael Ely? I got Michael Ely, Mike Ely. You see this beautiful face, baby. You know, <laughs> right. Uh, you, you know, link, uh, uh, Instagram. Mike I'm at Nassau Mike Ely yeah. on Insta on, on, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. On Nassau yeah. Mike Ely. And then Mike Ely Nassau on Instagram. But NassauInvest.com, you can catch us there. Uh, we get tons of information. We got new projects coming out. Uh, we're, we're being aggressive and finding large apartment units and we still do a couple of small ones, but, uh, you know, our goal is do these large apartment units and, and, and that's where we're at, but you can find me there, brother. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate this. this has been great. Uh, you were really generous about giving me your time and jumping on here. I've been watching you. I've been a fan for a long time. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Any final thoughts before we let you go? No, nah, man, Nick, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your platform with me, uh, man, uh, your listeners, man. This is truly the A-game podcast, <laughs> man, where you get all the good dibs, everything, man. Brother, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. You too, man. And obviously in the show notes, I'm going to post links to all your stuff. So I'll shoot them over to you for verification, man. And I'll definitely be watching, man. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. You, sir, bring your A-game. Have a great week, man. There you go, brother. Thanks. Bye. Please, Mike.